0: Good evening, everyone. Please, will you open with me in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 2? And we're going to read together Ruth 2 from verses 13 to 23. Let's start, actually, verse 14. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some leftover. May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with this young woman, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young woman of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother in law. Let's pray. Dear God, we are grateful for another opportunity today to gather together, to sing these awesome songs. To think of the future that we have in you and to come around your word. I pray, Lord, that again there would be the blessing of your food for your people. That you would make us um, richer for it spiritually, Lord. That you would build us up. And tonight we pray that you would just encourage our hearts and challenge us um, with the truth about who you are, your faithfulness, and your kindness, the fact that you are always good. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. This, uh, I think it was this last week, I had a very interesting experience. I tried to WhatsApp video call my mom one evening in the week, and uh, she answered, but she was at home and in the middle of home group. She says to me, hey, we're busy with home group. I said, why did you answer? You didn't have to answer the phone. And she ignores me and turns the phone around and says, Look who's here. And then she hands the phone to an old friend of mine from school. A really, really nice guy with a lovely family. But after school, he kind of had just fallen away. For years and years, you know, and speaking to me, he said, I, I need to come back to church. I know that, but I really, I just want to get my life in order a little bit. Now, obviously, we know that's not how it works. But for him, it seems like after years and years of, of this, he said, and enough of that, I know I need God. And so he's somehow plugged into the church, plugged in even to home group with my mom, with my old youth pastor. And I'm speaking to him on the phone from Hillcrest in Durban while he's in my old home. It was an interesting experience for me. But that reluctance to come back to church without first having gotten life together, it's a nervousness that is not unique to my friend. Many, many, I believe, wonder if they were to step foot in the church, how would they be received by the church? How would they be received by God himself? It's that that nervousness of the prodigal son, isn't it? Uh, You know, I'll I'll go back to my father and I'll beg to be made a servant. It's more than I deserve. Only to find the father running towards you with open arms and warm embrace. And so this is what my friend has found and we rejoice in it. a, A father waiting with open arms, a church waiting as well with open arms. Now if anyone can remember with me, Ruth chapter one, if we were to summarize chapter one with one word, it appears in the Hebrew about a dozen times in that chapter. What is that word? Any brave souls? It's the word return. Should we go back to the beginning and start again? The word return. That's what chapter 1 is about. Naomi had left the promised land. She'd left Bethlehem, the house of bread. During a famine, she'd gone to Moab. And in Moab, her husband and her two sons had died. And so Naomi returns at the end of chapter 1, destitute. And in despair, she says, I left full. And God brought me back empty. But we know from chapter 1 that it wasn't just a return for Naomi. It's a different kind of return for someone else, for Ruth. We see in Ruth this story in chapter 1 of a moving conversion. She commits herself to Naomi, but more than that, she commits herself to Naomi's God. And so together these widows return destitute at the start of the harvest season and so the question at the end of chapter one hanging over chapter two is what are they going to meet upon their return what will be waiting for them welcoming them in the land of promise in the house of bread and as we saw in the first half of chapter two already there's a man His name is Boaz, he's a a kind man, a man whose heart is shaped by the covenant God. Ruth goes out one morning hoping to find favor in the fields and she finds Boaz and God's quiet providence working behind the scenes, going before her and giving grace. The author teases us, she just happened to come to Boaz's field on a day Boaz was there. And we saw last time round, Boaz's kind words to her. Now, as we wrap up chapter 2, we see this answer to the question, what are these destitute widows going to find on return to the promised land? We see the answer spelled out a little more clearly. What they see and find is the surprising kindness of God. So tonight, very simply, what I want to do is highlight a few things that this loving kindness of God means for us, how it challenges us and comforts us as we look at the main characters in the story. First, Boaz, then Ruth, and then Naomi. So number one, Boaz, instrument of kindness. Ruth had woken up. One morning with this determination, we saw in verse 2, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. Remember, she has in mind this law of God. This law that allows for the poor of the land, the widows and the foreigners to glean in the field behind the harvesters, to glean on the edges of the field. And if grain falls while the harvesters are harvesting and reaping, they are to leave that for the poor. Leave it for them as well. It's this beautiful command of God. And she goes out hoping and trusting in the law of God. Maybe I'll find a man who still honors the law and honors the Lord. Well, she finds somebody who will more than just honor it, somebody who delights in it, is shaped by the loving kindness of God. And Boaz allows her to glean closely to the safety of his workers. He offers her the permanent safety of his field. He says, drink from the water that we have drawn. He welcomes her into the fold. And so that By the time lunchtime rolls around, you wouldn't actually tell that Ruth isn't one of his servants. We see in verse 14 then, Boaz invites her to have lunch with them. And this maybe seems to us today to be somewhat insignificant, but back then it would have been a shocking kindness. Boaz, it seems, eats Regularly with his workers. He's not an aloof master. Which by itself was probably abnormal to begin with. But far beyond that. He invites Ruth. This foreigner. This destitute nobody from nowhere decent. To eat at his table. He gives her food more than she can eat. So that she even gets to take home a, a takeaway box. And after this is where the kindness begins to reach comic proportions. He has special instructions for his workers. Let her glean, even among the sheaves. In other words, she doesn't have to keep her distance at all. Don't rebuke her for being close. Don't limit where she can glean. Even more than that, as you go, pull some out from the sheaves you've already bound and throw it to the floor that she may glean from that as well. Welcome her, he's saying to them. Do not disparage her. No comments I want to hear about ethnicity or status from anyone. I don't want to hear from any of you the snide remarks that she might hear in other fields. Go out of your way to make her feel like she belongs among you. The law had said, Don't harvest the edges. Leave that for the poor. Don't pick up what you drop. Boaz delights in the law and wants to go even further than it for Ruth. He's no reluctant giver. I suppose I'd better obey and accommodate this intrusion. No, he delights in showing kindness because his heart is shaped by the kindness of God. And so as Alistair Begg puts it, In chapter 2, Ruth discovers the heart of God in the hands of Boaz. Church, are we like that? Are we like Boaz? Imagine somebody in the world contemplating, I wonder what would happen if I went into that place. With this question in mind, how would I be met By the people of God. What welcome would I receive? Imagine somebody who's maybe been running from God, but has been led to search. Imagine somebody who is an outsider out there in the world. Imagine somebody hurt, lonely, lost, confused. Would they find, if they came among us, the kindness of God in the actions of His people? I've been thinking about this a lot recently. How are we doing, church, in terms of hospitality and welcoming the world? Often, I'll, after a service is finished, I'll, I'll notice lingering visitors. They haven't just rushed off. Maybe they want to be noticed. Maybe they're looking for community to be plugged in. Sometimes, They stay lingering alone, and I know it's hard in a church our size to to notice everybody and to notice those who are perhaps new, especially with lockdown. Maybe you don't know who's a member, who's not a member, who's a visitor, who's been here 20 times. We've got different services, but do you come on the lookout? Do you come to be hospitable? You know, I'm not just here to catch up with friends. That's not what this is about. Did you know that in the New Testament, hospitality just, it doesn't just mean inviting your friends over for a bri? It's different. Hebrews 13 verse 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Hospitality is evangelistic in its hopes and in its intentions. And it's not just, by the way, about what we do here, right? It's how we are out in the world, how we interact with the world, relate to them, how we see the people around us. The world's way is to see other people as a means to an end. In the world, we write one another off. That person is not worthy of my time, or they're not an expedient connection or oh, this one is very popular. You know, I've, just, I've got no time for draining relationships in my life. That's always been the world's way. It's not the church's way. It's not our way. It's our way to pour out ourselves and self-sacrifice in loving others. It's our way to go out of our way, to welcome those around us. Church, we could spend a million a year two million a year, three million a year on missions. But if we don't have in our DNA a heart of kindness that welcomes those who are different to us, we need to rethink if, if we know anything about the Great Commission at all. Are we a people shaped by the kindness of God? Are we shaped by the condescension of Christ? The glorious prince of heaven left the throne of glory to seek out, to welcome his enemies, rebels. We're learning from our Lord. Listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 16. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And therefore, Paul says, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. We think of how Christ saw us and saved us, reached out to us. And we consider others in the same way. Does the world see through our hands the loving kindness of our God? Are we like Boaz? Number two is Ruth, overwhelmed by kindness. Overwhelmed by kindness. On Thursday afternoon, I was trying to think through this passage I'm um, trying to think what I'm going to preach on this passage. And so I was reading it to Sheree. I often do this. And she said, after I read it, she said, don't you find it interesting that when God feeds someone, usually they're satisfied with plenty to spare. And it's true, isn't it? You look at the, uh, the stories in the Bible. In fact, this little lunch between Boaz and Ruth makes us think of another, uh, another meal 5,000 hungry people on a hill fed until they were completely satisfied and couldn't eat anymore. And there were baskets and baskets left over. Christ satisfies and then some. Ruth here has hidden herself under the wings of God. And she finds in this chapter all that she wants and more. Look at verses 17 and 18. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. So Naomi, in the story you pick up, she's shocked. She peppers Ruth with these questions in verse 19. Where did you glean? Where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Now we don't know exactly how much an ephah was. We just know that it was way more than you could possibly expect or hope to get in one day of gleaning. Ruth left, hoping that she would find favor in the fields, and she returns hardly able to carry what favor she's found. She returns as well with an open invitation to come back the next day and the next day and the next day for more. What Ruth has found is the super abundance of God's kindness. Yahweh has done for her far more abundantly than all she could have hoped for. And as we're going to see in the story, he is able still to do far more abundantly than all Ruth could possibly think. She's literally straining under the weight of this kindness and even at this point, has no idea that Boaz is a redeemer. It's a thought that's beginning to swirl as we saw around in Naomi's head. I hope that this story will later unfold. Church, Ruth's experience must serve as a reminder to us of the God that we serve. A God, the God that we love and who loves us. In praying for the Ephesians, what does Paul say in Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21? Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever, amen, Paul says. We are so often very slow to approach the throne of grace to which we have been so lavishly invited with an actual belief that God can do far more abundantly through us for His glory. Aren't we slow in our prayer? Church, we have a a missions conference coming up, a chance where we strategize as a church, pray together for what God is going to do through HBC, into our community and into the world, a chance where we will dream and plan. What are we going to make of that time? Our dreams are often so, so small. What if we gathered with an urgency to dream big and to ask much? Or are we always content with little because we believe that God only ever wants to eke out blessing in tiny measure? Do we come expectantly before the throne of grace? E.M. Bounds, who basically wrote the book on prayer, said this. He said, prayer can do anything God can do. Prayer can do anything God can do. Now, Bounds is no false name it, claim it preacher. And we know when we come in prayer, we always come with the heart that says, not my will, but yours be done. But church, isn't it true that we so often come and we speak those words and we leave never having asked for anything, certainly not leaving with an expectation that glorifies a kind and a generous Father? Are We expectant because we know He is kind and He wants that kindness to reach the world. I believe there's something else that we should see in Ruth's attitude before we move on here. Before that, she has anything to give Naomi. Before she's got an ephah or a takeaway box or anything, Ruth has already given Naomi herself. She is loyal and faithful. We see it even in this passage. Once she's been blessed by Boaz, what does she do? She goes home and she shares that blessing with Naomi. This is her attitude from the little that she has. She has given her all in hope and in joy. She's the the little boy in the story of the 5,000, right? Lord, here is my lunch. Use me. Her heart is the heart of that, that woman who had only two mites, but gave all that she had. And if we learn from this passage, in this chapter, to, if we learn from the trusting heart of Ruth, we must also learn from her giving heart as well. Are we willing to give the little that we have, expecting that God can take that little and He can turn it into much I think sometimes the reason that we dream so small and ask for nothing and often try nothing as members in the church is because we belittle the value in God's hands of the little that we have to offer. We ought to know that every sacrifice that we make, every offering that we make can be made significant when it's placed into his hands. Do not As well, coming back to hospitality, underestimate the the small kindnesses. It's those many, many little things in the life of the church, everyday decisions that cause the church to display the, the beautiful kindness of God to the world. Every time that we forgive, every time we encourage, every time we speak the truth in love or notice And remember the hurt of those around us every time we reach out and pray with one another. Every little command that we obey is used for God's great glory in our world. Now this doesn't mean that we think of ourselves with pride. As if the church would would sink without us. But a truly humble heart before God, this is the point, a truly humble heart before God is captivated and has been changed by his kindness. It is made expectant and says, Father, here is all of me. I know it's not much, but if you can feed 5,000 from a little boy's lunchbox, I know that you can take the little that I give and you can use it to change the world around me with your kindness. Have we learned from Ruth? Finding number three, Naomi, surprised by kindness. And I won't say much here. I just want to highlight one thing. At the end of chapter one, Naomi said, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. She certainly, in coming back to the land of Israel, hasn't expected much. At the end of chapter 2, now she says, May Boaz be blessed by the Lord, the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. All of a sudden, Naomi's seeing things that nobody else is seeing in this passage. All of a sudden, there's a, a renewed hope in her. Could this be God's kindness? She says, even to the dead, even to Elimelech. It's a long shot for sure, but she's noticed now God's hand. Could the names that were cut off through death be restored through Boaz? Philippians 4 verse 19, Paul says, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And sometimes, church, As the people of God, we forget that. We sometimes, like Naomi, forget that God is kind and good all the time. Even thinking, maybe, has he forsaken me? Or God's ears, are they closed to my prayers? In this story, Naomi is being reminded, isn't she, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. We see the God in this passage who welcomes the outsider. The God who is a good shepherd. Never stops showing covenant faithfulness to wandering sheep. We see the Father who has open, warm, loving arms towards a prodigal daughter. And in times of lean, may we learn never to doubt. May we not doubt the superabundant kindness of our God. So... We come to the end of chapter 2, and it's a bit of a a cliffhanger, isn't it? Verse 23, so she kept close to the young woman of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So the question at the end of chapter 1 was, what will they find in the land? And the answer has been given, they find the kindness of God. Now the question becomes a bit of, will they, won't they, right? You're the reader. This, this can't be the end. Is Boaz the Redeemer? What is going to happen between Boaz and Ruth? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this, this beautiful little story. We want to thank you for what it reveals about your, your character, your loving kindness, your loyal and faithful love. Father, there are times where because of the circumstances that we face, our our hearts forget that you are kind and we forget your goodness. Lord, we are sorry for those times where we question your love, where doubts creep into our minds and our hearts. Thank you for this reminder. And Lord, I I do pray that as we leave as your church from this place and we go into the world, that we would walk in your loving kindness and that we would be changed by it. That you would give us the ability to be patient with those around us in the world who try our patience. That you would give us eyes to see those who are lost or hurting or in need. That you would give us opportunities to, through our actions, show the world that your loving kindness. And Father, we pray that through the little that we have to offer, that you would do great things in our church, in our community. That you would save the lost. That you would use us, we ask. Amen.